0: Thanks for joining us again for another episode of the nateholdridge.com podcast. Today we're talking again about Nehemiah. This is our third installment and talking about Nehemiah and his prayer and his concern and now his willingness um, to serve the people of Jerusalem, to give up everything he had for the sake of going to repair his hometown, this city he loves so dearly. And uh, today we're just going to be looking at that willingness that Nehemiah had looking at what it cost him, why he would put himself out there in the way he did. And hopefully as we get to look at that, we'll be encouraged um, in our lives and how we pursue the things that God is putting in front of us, being people who throw everything with our whole lives into what God is putting before us. So without further ado, let's get right into this conversation. Hey, Do you remember the first volunteer position you had here at the church? What yeah. was like the first thing? Was that like high school for you? Oh middle yeah, school?
1: yeah, yeah. So for me, the, the the first thing, it was my first uh, summer while I was in Bible college. Okay. And keep in mind, like <laughs> I pretty much like started going to church because I wanted to, like six weeks before I left for Bible college. <laughs> you know, so it was a pretty radical, like yeah, turnaround, you Quick know, turnaround. in my heart. Yeah. So before I came home that next summer. I called the current youth pastor at the time from a payphone. Oh yeah. man, what's that? And uh, <laughs> you know, I, I and so I asked him. I said, "Hey, you know, is there anything I can do mm-hmm. this summer? You know, is there any way I can help out?" And um, yeah, it turned out that uh, the uh, he he said, "Yeah, come up. You know, you can help out with the with the youth group." It had just the church had just shifted from being portable uh, mm-hmm. to having a new facility. And because of that, the church just like numerically, I don't want to use the word exploded, but it grew pretty significantly over the course of that year. And so the youth ministry really grew a lot. And so previously, they kind of had, we'd had like a part time youth minister. Mm -hmm. And um, so the church was in the process of looking for a full time youth pastor. Okay. So I came in and I just was like helping out the current part-time guy. And then something happened like with his job or I don't know. I can't remember the details, but basically for like a month, I was the interim stand in, like just (laughs) being the youth pastor while they were looking for a new guy. Yeah. 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 And then they got the new guy. And then, so that was like three months of just teaching and, you know, trying to just, you know, be available basically on Sundays and yeah. midweeks, you know, for the high school and middle school kids. And then, um, and then, yeah, my, I went back to Bible college after that. Yeah. That's that was awesome. My first thing, yeah. Wow. That's so cool. I love hearing about that. How funny now that
0: after that time, yeah, you went back to Bible college and came back. Yeah. And really started to jump into like pastoral ministry. Mm-hmm. Now you're Our senior pastor. It was yeah,
1: it was really important for me personally. It's not everybody's path, but it was really important for me personally because uh, it gave me some a little bit of experience, just kind of doing some teaching and working with people. And then when I went back down to Bible college, it kind of gave me a fresh fire and like reason for why I'm there. Because I, you know, I went there to just kind of get my own head uh, screwed on right and and to kind of get my walk with the Lord uh, dialed. And then go. I was planning to go on and do you know whatever else you know and, and get the other degrees that I needed to get. But once once I had that experience, it kind of really helped me go. Okay, that's part of the reason I'm studying the Bible totally. and I'm here is to help prepare me for being able to minister to other people. And it really wasn't until uh, you know it wasn't another seven years or so until I became a youth pastor, you know, it was, I, I loved, I always loved serving and helping out with the high school group, but my thing was college ministry, like you, you know, like you're doing young adults. Um, when I, when, when I, you know, finally finished at Bible college and came back up here to Monterey. Right. That's so cool. I always love hearing the stories of
0: how people first got into serving in the ministry. It's always so fascinating to me, which is kind of fun. I mean, today we're talking about Nehemiah again. This is like the third installment in this trilogy that you've been writing about, Nehemiah's life, <laughs> which has been so great. But this is really cool because we get to look at how he was so willing to serve God and to jump into what we'll get into a little bit. He had kind of volunteered himself mm-hmm. really to serve God. And uh, there's three big things in this article, Nate, that you talked about with Nehemiah. So he he prayed and wanted to go serve the people of um, Jerusalem and rebuild the city. And uh, you talk about his sacrifice his volunteerism, which will be fun to talk about, and his perspective. But before we talk about those three different things kind of going on inside of his heart and everything, for those of us who are just jumping right into the conversation now, can you give us some backstory to what has happened
1: with Nehemiah up until this point? Well, of course I can, and I'll try not to take too long (laughs) in doing it. Boil it down. Yeah, so Nehemiah, he was ministering or living at a time Way after the zenith in Jerusalem, through disobedience to God, Jerusalem experienced the judgment of God in the form of a Babylonian captivity and attack at the hands of King Nebuchadnezzar. After 70 years of captivity, just as the prophets had foretold, prophets like Isaiah and Mm -hmm. Jeremiah, Uh, The people of God were allowed permission through a king named Cyrus to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple and reestablish the worship of God, Uh, but the city still lie in ruins. And uh, decades after that first uh, group of people came back to rebuild the temple, uh, Ezra then went back to teach the people, and then now, uh, 13 years or so year, uh, years after Ezra returned, Nehemiah is around, and Nehemiah is not in Jerusalem, but he's far away. He's in Susa, which is the the winter capital of the Persian uh, palace, and so he is the servant of King Artaxerxes, a cupbearer to Artaxerxes, right. the king at the time. And he hears about some of his friends, probably one of his brothers, a guy named Hanani, who returned from a recent trip to Jerusalem, asks him, hey, what's the condition of Jerusalem? Has it been rebuilt? They tell him, no, it's not been rebuilt. You know, the walls are broken down. The gates are burned with fire. He weeps. He prays. We've talked about both of those things up to this point. And then he concludes his prayer in Nehemiah 1 verse 11 by asking the Lord to be attentive to the prayer of your servant. And to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name, and to give success to your servant today, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. And then he has the little editorial comment now I was cupbearer to the king. <laughs> yeah. So he concludes his prayer with his real prayer request God, give me mercy in the sight of King Artaxerxes. Right. Whenever I get the chance, you know, let me speak boldly. Mm. Give me a chance to talk to this guy and get the door open Mm. to go rebuild Jerusalem. So cool. There's so much to kind of pull out of that. And maybe the first thing we talk about is the
0: first thing you talk about in the article, which is sacrifice. How Nehemiah was willing to sacrifice um, for this mission in front of him. Can we talk about what what did Nehemiah have to sacrifice? Like what was on the line for him in actually going forward
1: and speaking to the king and And kind of making this request for him. Well, Nehemiah was totally getting out of his comfort zone with this. Yeah. You know, because he, as a cupbearer to the king, it's not like he was like this chained up slave who was living in poverty. Mm -hmm. Uh, Life in in the Babylonian and the Medo-Persian culture had gotten pretty cushy and it had gotten pretty nice. He was an official. You know, God had favored his life. So he was in a place of, to use a word that's used in modern times, a place of privilege at the right. time in that mm-hmm. culture. Uh, he was blessed in a lot of ways. Uh, in a, you might say that it was a life of luxury. Mm-hmm. You might say it was a life of power. So really by uh, praying this prayer, he was saying to God, God, I'm willing to step out of that. You know, uh, I'm willing yeah. to turn my back on that prestige or that ease To do something really difficult so the way i said it in my article is any great work of god starts with sacrifice It's a real Mm. sacrificial kind of spirit a real sacrificial kind of attitude and i think that that's important because you know as at least for me in my experience as i look out at who volunteers themselves Mm. who lays down their lives you know to be used by god to be quite honest a lot of times The people that lay down their lives to be used by the Lord are people who aren't in places of Hmm. as much privilege as others, or uh, aren't in uh, luxury or power. A lot of times, people who are in luxury or power, they just don't serve. Right? They don't sacrifice. They don't lay down their lives. The I don't know whether it's the cushiness or the. Schedule or the distraction, but it's just hard for them to Mm. to do that. Oftentimes, that's that's not always the case. And it's absolutely beautiful when you see someone who is very powerful or influential or has Mm -hmm. means, and you see them, you know, lay down their lives for the Lord. And to be honest, a lot of times people who are like this, their schedules and lives are full. Whereas, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe you're, uh, you know a blue collar kind of guy or you know your run of the mill 9 to 5 or you know like like you or me you know right, right. we we might be able to say my life's fairly predictable my <laughs> schedule's fairly predictable yeah. and some of these more high powered people you know it's like Man, I'm flying all over the world doing the things that God has asked me to do. Mm -hmm. So we all have to be sensitive to that, who are we, who has God called us Mm -hmm. to be. But we do have to ask the question, am I unwilling to serve, am I unwilling to be obedient to God, am am I unwilling to make disciples, am I unwilling Mm -hmm. to do the hard things because it's gonna make me uncomfortable, and I'm gonna to have to sacrifice, and I'm gonna to have to get out of my cozy home right. or my nice yeah. community, and I'm gonna to have to confront a little bit of uh, ugly, a little bit of uh, uh, you know unfortunate situations, people, or environments that make me feel uncomfortable. Yep. You know, Nehemiah was willing to do that. That you use volunteerism. I know it's not your favorite word, but um,
0: you know it, get, it does get the point across. It's just mm-hmm. cool that Nehemiah was in his heart, so willing to sacrifice everything mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then not only that, he was down to actually put his like his body on the line to do it and volunteer himself yeah, for yeah. it. It's so interesting that he didn't ask for the king's helpers or like a team to go out and rebuild um Jerusalem. I mean he did ask for people to help, but he was willing to actually go and lead people with him rather than just sending people out and him stay in the kind of nice lifestyle. So Can we talk about that a little bit? So um, why did he just put himself out there? It's one thing to sacrifice, but to willingly volunteer. Why did he actually do that? Well,
1: let's start first with, you know, you said that that's not one of my favorite words. And the reason for that is because (laughs) I use the word volunteer for practical reasons. Right. right. People understand that word. It's a word that we use in our Mm -hmm. modern era. But in the Bible, the the word is slavery, mm. servanthood, you know, yeah, yeah. It, it speaks of an abasing, a lowering of the self, you mm. know, it's not, I mean, you will find the word volunteer in the Bible, but right. the the real idea is mm. that if you want to be great in God's kingdom, you make yourself the servant or the slave right. of all, you know, so that that's why I use the wow. word reluctantly, you know, because yeah. it's probably not the best word to connect us to what the Bible is communicating to us and Mm. it it's not you know jesus did volunteer himself but he volunteered himself to become the servant to become the slave Mm -hmm. so i like that word a little bit better good yeah i mean the 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 reality is at, at some point you know if if the kingdom of god is going to advance in a community um expand in a church Mm -hmm. when the practical reality is, you know, people are going to have to volunteer for that to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I I believe that the church is going to, you know, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. I believe that, but there's no, there's no guarantee that the church is going to be strong here Mm -hmm. in America in another 40 years. Right. There's really no guarantee of that. I believe there's the guarantee that the church will be strong somewhere on mm-hmm. earth. Um, you know, and I think as if you look at statistical trends of the church throughout the world right now, the best guess would be that it's going to be strong in nations that are, uh, we would con- consider third world yeah. or impoverished. Right. Um in another 40 years, you know, because Christianity is, inv- is advancing in those communities. Uh, but if Christianity is going to be strong mm-hmm. in, you know, our culture or any culture or society, it's going to require people who volunteer their lives mm-hmm. to that effort, you know? So, you know, obviously, you can think of this in just a you know, Sunday corporate gathering of God's Mm -hmm. people kind of concept, you know, for person A to hear the gospel, to be changed and challenged and corrected and come to tears and to receive Christ Mm as their Lord and Savior, it might take that they need to first be able to drop their kids off with someone who can watch their children and take care of their children in a safe environment for them to be able to safely... And, you know, uh, without distraction, hear the Word of God because faith comes by hearing and that by the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it might we might think of that kind of volunteer, you know, someone of right. volunteers in a children's ministry or like we talked about at the beginning of this, a youth ministry. Yeah, and I've been totally. praying for that, I actually, and have been thinking lately, I, I want to just talk to our church a little bit. Like, man, these youth, these middle school and high school students, there needs to be more young adult leaders oh, yeah. who are willing to come up side to side with these kids and mm-hmm. bless them and hang out with them and minister to them. And uh, to be honest, I've been a little discouraged mm-hmm. at the low amount of young adults that have stepped yeah. up to be able to be used by God in that kind of way. So I want to see an increase, you know, Amen. in that. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's all kinds of different ways to volunteer yourself in your local church. Uh, but then we'd probably also think about it just in terms of outreach and missions and uh, community engagement and involvement right. and mm-hmm. different opportunities that are in front of us to do good, to preach the gospel that we also need to be willing to volunteer ourselves mm-hmm. for. But then I think, you know, the the real significant thing because you can have a full body of believers that are, you know, solid and on fire and ready to go but if over and over and over again the men that God is putting some kind of pastoral church leadership call on their lives yeah. if they continually say no and if more and more of them say no and if that's kind of a culture that's established mm-hmm. and generated where christian parents are afraid of letting their kids their sons pursue pastoral work right. and ministry if that's the attitude that exists and and you know especially because it's going to take bible teaching it's going to oh, yeah. take that kind of you know pastoral christian mm-hmm. leadership if if that is consistently downplayed or never thought of as an option or seen as, you know, too hard or too difficult or too negative, negative, yeah. and people don't volunteer themselves for that, then you're going to see decline, yeah. you know, in the church. There needs to be a rise of, you know, those gifts and a Amen. rise of those offices. So you know Jesus, Ephesians 4, gave to the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastor teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So if there's a gap there where there's Jesus, you know, we know he's doing his thing as the head, but if the, Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, teachers, if people that are supposed to be doing those roles continually say no, then how will the church be equipped for the work of the ministry? So at some point, the rubber meets the road and someone yeah, has totally. to volunteer themselves. Yeah, yeah, it's a personal decision. It really is. You know, we call it a calling, you know, and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. And it really is, you know, God has to call you, touch your heart right. and all of that. But there will come a point where a man makes a decision and says... I'm gonna volunteer myself for that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna carve it out on my calendar. I'm gonna yeah. pay for the gas to get
0: there. I'm yep. gonna sacrifice my Friday night, you know, and yep. and be there. Yep. Um. I love that. Last night at our young adult group, our friend Andy, um, shared an opportunity for young adults to get involved with the middle school ministry. Oh, good. And I I loved it for a lot of reasons, but and I won't get into all of it right now. But I could just see as he was talking about the need. That these students have for leaders i could see like i looked around i could see people like the gears were turning, and i saw somebody afterwards go and talk to him about it and they were so excited to get involved with it because they saw that there was an opportunity for them to serve somebody who just needed leadership they don't have to be the perfect leader don't have to do everything exactly right but they're like i just want to give my life to help these kids and for people to understand there are needs Mm -hmm. for us to rise up and be leaders to help people it's just so special it's like a when you talk about calling it's like yeah it's the calling people need us to be good leaders and to really jump into it so i love that about nehemiah he was such a volunteer and risked it all for the sake of the kingdom yeah and you know like
1: for me i've i just want to say this as a not as a qualifier but as an addition to this part of the conversation, I think what what I've noticed mm-hmm. and what I've seen in this local church, at least, yeah. is that it. I, I love the way that everything is structured and designed mm. because the reality is the church, it's like it all flies together. It all mm. grows yeah. together. You know, as, as I grow That's as good. a leader and as a pastor, as the, Pastoral group grows and matures and gets stronger and better. You know, that's one thing. But the reality is, like, you know, Andrew was saying to me the other day, Pastor Andrew, he's like, I mean, you know, we were talking about some kind of systems thing that he's developing this year, you know, in the church. And he said, you know, I mean, the truth is, like, I know that this doesn't lead to to any kind of church growth. The Lord Mm. could give us 3,000 more people tomorrow. Right. And I just said to him, I hope not. You know, because if that happens, <laughs> yeah, like nobody's coming back, because you know we can't take care of that yeah, kind of people. Right. You know, we don't have the security team for that, the parking team for that, the children's ministry team for that. Like we all mm-hmm. grow together. So right. as I get stronger, as our volunteers get note, stronger, right. like we all have to progress and grow together. You know, like, I mm-hmm. think that's a great, that's a great part of having the small group structure that we have. Oh, you know, yeah, it's kind of like. That's our main thing, you know mm-hmm. we have Sundays and then we have small groups. So if we're not growing in developing new life group leaders that yeah. can handle more people and you know in a sense pastorally in a sense, care yeah. for them if if that's not growing, then we can't grow. yeah, you know, so it's all I love that it's all together. yeah. so in addition to that, what I want to say is, I think that's why it's pretty important for a church, and it's why we've tried to do this: to be simple, yeah, in right. their schedule and mm-hmm. simple in their pursuits, and not overload Christians. Yeah. You know, on Sunday mornings we have two services. Right. You know, that's it, and then we have one on Sunday night. You know, so we have three services on Sunday, and we used to have three services on Sunday morning, a couple different pockets of time. We've had three services, and you know, that's that's difficult. It's difficult yeah. to cover all the posts that need to be mm-hmm. covered. But it's very possible for a Christian to come to church around 8.30 here at Calvary mm-hmm. Monterey, serve at the 9 o'clock service or attend the 9 o'clock service, right. and then serve or attend the 11 o'clock service. Mm-hmm. You know, so go to one and serve at one. Mm-hmm. It's not a – what you're trying to do is you're trying not to create a yoke that is impossible for people, right? That's you know, good. that is just, you know, where where a where a church is saying we need volunteers. Where are the volunteers? And it's like, dude, you got all kinds of volunteers, <laughs> but you're doing so many things mm. that there's just there's no way that the people in your church are going to be able to yes, keep up overloaded. with everything that you're trying to do. Yeah, you know. So we try to keep it simple and manageable mm. so that people can volunteer can serve, but it's not going to ruin their lives to do so. <laughs> Straight up. Yeah.
0: No, that's good, man. I love that about this church and this kind of thing that we just do here. It's so good. To kind of shift gears a little bit, we can kind of move into the last part of the article, which is about perspective. Nehemiah just had like a really great perspective about King Artaxerxes and about God and I think about himself, too. One of the things you wrote in this part of the article, you said, once you can see God for who he is and see man for who he is, however, your heart will more fully be set free um, for what God has for you. So I know we all want to be free to do what God has put in front of us to do, um, but it feels like it is kind of easy to have maybe a skewed perspective of man and of God and ourselves kind of in the mix. So could you kind of talk to us a little bit about perspective, like how should we view man, God, and ourselves, like in the mission that God's kind of put in front of us.
1: Yeah, that was Nehemiah's prayer, you know, grant me mercy in the sight of this man, you know. At the end of the day, Artaxerxes, although he was the most powerful man in the world at the time, he was just a man. Yeah. And Nehemiah, when he was talking to God, he was talking to someone more powerful, uh, more glorious. Than this man, Artaxerxes, that he was going to address. This is really per, uh, powerful and important in laying down your life for the work because mm-hmm. the fear of man is a snare. And right. if you think, you know, for one, if you think there's no way I could do it, you know, that's the fear of man in the sense that you fear yourself, you know, mm-hmm. and you're not able yeah. to see, like, there's a God above me who could help me to actually do this. But then if you look out at your, you know, community and you think, you know, there's no way, how could we do this in the face of these folks or these people? Again, it's just another version of the fear of man. You're thinking about them and you're thinking God is not more powerful than they are. So I think that that perspective that he had of just realizing this guy, he's just a man. He's just a man. That's all he is it's part of what enabled him to volunteer and to sacrifice Absolutely. to just really realize like there's a God in heaven who he can, he can do this, you know? And I guess maybe if if you think about that for, you know, a modern Christian, you know, yeah, the concept would be, I can't lay down my life. I can't volunteer because, you know, if I do that, then here's all the stuff that, I'm not going to be able to keep up with or all the things I'm not going to be able to do. And you're not thinking about and having the perspective that there's a God in heaven who will Mm. smile upon the work of my hands, who will bless me in the midst of doing this work. And perhaps as I'm doing that work will help me see things that are in my life that I don't need to do, that I don't need to focus on. Mm -hmm. And he's going to satisfy me. You know, I mean, someone might say like, well, you know, if I, if I serve, if I do what Nate said and I serve at one and I attend one, you know, like I can't do my, you know, morning spin class on Sunday mornings or something like that. And I just love Janice, the spin class leader, you know, she's great. (laughs) Yeah. She makes me smile and all of that. But like. There might be a little three-year-old in that three-year-old or four-year-old class or some parent or family or some person that you connect with or a middle school kid that you get a chance to impact their life. And what you're <laughs> going to discover is, man, whatever you're missing, it's not—it's nothing compared to the feeling, the experience Come of being on, used man. by God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. That's really good, man.
0: That perspective is huge, huge. And I feel like for some of us listening, maybe a just a daily battle, just continually seeing God for who he is, Seeing man for who he or she is, and seeing us just kind of like as God sees us and operating from that vantage point. So, Nate, you know, we're kind of done talking through the article. Is there anything else about Nehemiah's willingness that you'd like just to kind of share with us to close out the conversation? I'm
1: sorry for calling out your spin class today. Oh, man. James. I know. I
0: was going to talk to you about that afterwards.
1: I yeah. felt uncomfortable. Yeah. You made eye contact with me as you said that. I kind of I felt like I crossed the line there. <laughs> I want to apologize for that. <laughs> I could see you, man. I could see you in that spin class. Oh just, man, Riley, pump it up. <laughs> We're going up a hill. We're doing Go. a mountain. <laughs>
0: oh man, never no, been to spin class. Voice from one <laughs> tribe. Never <yeah>. been.
1: <laughs> no, I think I just say, you know, like, give it a shot, you guys. Yeah, you know, that's give good. it a shot and. And for those of you that are listening to this, and you're serving, you volunteered yourself. Like, praise the Lord, and thank you so much for what you're doing. Whether it's in this church, Calvary Monterey, or another church, you know, God bless you for the work that you're Mm -hmm. doing. And you know, think through because I think sometimes when we serve, we and we uh, make that sacrifice. There are times. Where we kind of get in a groove for a long time mm-hmm. and we forget to say right. god is there a new way that you want me to take a new step of faith you know because if you do one thing for a long period of time you might feel safe in that
0: yeah and that might be your true.
1: new comfort zone your new normal and it might be good for you to say okay lord what's the next and fresh thing that you want me, you know, to do is it time to disciple somebody? Mm. Is it time to lead in a way that makes me a little uncomfortable? Is it time for me to advance here in this church? I, I really don't think that it's good to to, to have the same post yeah. in a local church for like thirty years. You know, mm. that should grow and expand. You might still be a small group leader for th- you might be a small group leader for three decades, right. but when you first start, you're just trying to figure out how to do it, how to lead a group and all of that. Mm -hmm. If you're 30 years into leading a small group, you better be leading your small group, but also doing some counseling for people in your small group or also training up other small group leaders and being a discipleship resource for them Mm -hmm. so that they can learn how to lead their groups more effectively or definitely at the very least personally discipling a couple of people or members in your small group who are of like gender with you. I mean, those are, Things that we should be doing and growing in as uh, as we progress in the ministry. So pray about that. You know, is there some way that I'm supposed to uh, expand in this gift or territory uh, that's in, in front of me? So yeah. That's it.
0: Thanks for joining us today in this conversation. For more articles and resources from Pastor Nate, please go to nateholdridge.com and search the archives. All of his articles are there. And while you're online, please share an episode of this podcast with a friend. We would love to see this podcast get into as many hands and ears as possible. And as always, tune in next week for a brand new episode from this show. But until then, God bless you guys. We'll see you soon.